I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's going on, Travis? How you doing today, buddy? Hey, Vince. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back. Um, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Oh, surviving. And that's uh, in this day and age, that's a good thing, I suppose, right? That's what we all want to be doing. Sounds good. Hope everybody out there is doing okay. So we rolled a topic today, as we always do. We roll topics on a table of things. And today I rolled uh, GM character generation. Yes, yes. This is one I'm pretty excited to talk about, actually. Well, I'm glad uh, you're excited to talk about it, um, because I need you to explain what it means. <laughs> sure. So, so get right to talking, Vince. Okay, well, let's do that. So here's the concept behind GM character generation, and I think this might be anathema to some of our listeners. But I would really encourage them right off the rip. Let me just say this. There's a lot of fun to be had with this concept and exploring different derivations of it. But here's the general principle. The idea is having the GM, the game master, the storyteller, the whatever, the person in charge generate some amount of all of the characters who are going to play the game up to and including everything, like literally just everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, the most easy reference to this that most people might, which might sound crazy when I first say it, but everybody's probably kind of familiar with this. Uh, and let me tell you how you're kind of familiar with this, even if you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And that's pre-gens, right? So, Travis, I'm sure you remember, like, pre-gen characters being often in first-level adventures yep. or uh, in the Dragonlance series of adventures that they published, right? You could actually play you, the, the pre-gen characters of yes. the that that group, right? So, you know, you could play. There have been or, many, many yeah. Dungeons & Dragons branded things that have come with pre-generated characters, which is basically usually come, like, little cards that have all huh? the stats, stats and equipment and gear uh, a, a name and generally don't have a lot of backstory attached to them. They're just a bunch of numbers, right? Sure. Um, almost almost all the time, they're, they're just a bunch of numbers uh, pre-set up for you to just grab and go. Uh, I, I believe there were a couple of like starter D&D learn to play kits that had them too. Yep. Um, yep. That came with like some dice and a couple of miniatures or whatever uh, and some maps and, you know, a, 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 a a starter guide or whatever that wasn't like full books, but you know, like starter sets. Sure. And this so wasn't happened. just D and D. Do you remember right. in the Mech Shadow Warrior Run. book? Yeah. There Shadow you go. Run and Mech Warrior both. Like Shadow Run had had um, the like full on archetype characters built um, just to show you what you could do with the system because you know you could just hand them the Shadow Run book and be like, well, what do I make with this? But then here's like a bunch of archetypes that are actually in the world and how to make them and this is what they are. So like they had that already like uh, ready to go. At least in the second edition book they did. Yep. Um, that's same with Mech Warrior. It was the same thing. Like, this is your Mech Pilot. You could just literally copy that over, right? They even right. said it right at the beginning. Like, you could just take this and play it. And you can make your own personality and your own story and your own background. But, you know, there, there's all your numbers for you, right? So I say that to say this shouldn't be as anathema or scary of a topic because— Okay, but but the, pro- the, the problem is all of these examples, all of these things are, are intended for— beginner players everything we've Uh, just talked about is intended for the beginner Um, for someone who 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 either either can't or doesn't or 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 doesn't understand yet how to actually work within the system to properly generate a character that works within the world right 
Mm -hmm. uh, and the way it's all set up, especially in the less bound systems. Like Dungeons and Dragons is a very bound system. It's very difficult to make a bad first level character. Sure. Because um, they're all just so much the same. Um, but something like Shadowrun, it's easy to make a bad character. Like you can make a character that literally can't do anything in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, you could just you could you could spend all all your money on stuff that just doesn't make any difference and buy low skills, low attributes, and then literally do nothing. <laughs> you know, I've got a bunch of guns. I can't shoot it, but I've got a bunch of guns, right? <laughs> so, guns, lots so of that, guns. That, that's yes. it. Just lots of guns. Um, so you can mess up, um, but we're not talking about that. None of that was talking about advanced gaming right mm -hmm. like gamers who are beyond that stage completely fair point you're absolutely right the most of our experience encountering these things was yes in in newbie focused products right, right. where it's like yeah. you're a totally inexperienced player let me help you get into the game they were effectively game aids right that was the idea of the thing uh sure so that's fine here's my argument you're setting the scene here right Yes. My argument is, one, it was fine when you're a new player, and it actually remains fine to this day, mm. though you don't have to see this as being a light switch uh, binomial choice where it's only one or zero, right? Either the GM generates everything or I generate everything, mm -hmm. okay? There's lots of middle ground here. Let me give you a, a good example. Let me let's let me make this real for you, Travis, with a real with an actual story. Okay. All right. So when I ran a very lengthy, what ended up being a trilogy of marathon games several years back, uh, I've mentioned it on this podcast before. My Musketeers game set in yeah. 1628 magical France, right? And uh, when I did that game, I actually dictated a bunch of stuff for all the characters. So I literally said, here's the archetype. Uh, here's your basic personality. Okay. Here are some elements of your background. And here you may be one of these two classes. All right. And uh, race was already predecided for everybody because that was just the nature of the world. Everybody was French, so everybody was the same race as it worked out in that world because it was a magical realism type of game. And uh, and I said, uh, and here are some other dictated things like you must choose uh, sort of this, like you definitely have this skill and this skill and this character is that you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So I was dictating not only mechanics. But also narrative, right? Story elements to their role-playing elements, yeah. Yes, because I wanted them to all fit within uh, a certain set of archetypes that I thought were going to be well suited to the game. Now, anything I didn't dictate, they were free to generate, right? So, like, I didn't, I didn't write up everything. This wasn't complete uh, dictate, right? So, did they have brothers or sisters? What was their relationship with their parents? How long had they been in Paris, right? Like, what did they think of the, the monarchy? What did they think of the, the musketeers? I usually didn't dictate any of that stuff. So there was still lots so you, of room. But did you for generate any, did you generate personality? Yes, because, uh, sure. Like, it all had to be viewed through that lens. So let's, it'll go more real here. Uh, one of the characters, so I, I basically gave them a list. I think there were six players originally, and I gave them seven archetypes to choose from. So there was one that kind of didn't get chosen, right? 
and that's good to have an extra that's fine yeah sure then then i've got kind of an npc the npc that would they you know that would regularly kind of hang about if i needed a, a gm voice would be the other archetype right um so one of the archetypes was the veteran okay like the and so the dictates there were they were allowed to be uh a fighter or a ranger that was it <clears throat> yeah uh, they uh, had to have certain skills related to charisma-based stuff, like they had to have a sort of like a persuasion-type skill um, because they had risen in the ranks and sort of were good at understanding the politic of the musketeers and so of the, the monarchy and everything. Yeah. Yep. And the character had to be experienced. They had served in the musketeers at this point for seven years. Uh, they had I, I dictated some relationships for them, like they were. They knew this and had this relationship with this person and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, they had to be a fairly like their their sort of personality archetype that I wrote in for them was uh, fairly serious and focused on France and the Musketeers. Mm -hmm. okay? OK, that was and that's it. Like that was the sentence. Now, there's still lots of room to work around that character. But right? there are defi definitely there, there are touchstones of a, of, a, of a personality there. Yes. Um, already built in. Okay, um, so you did all that, right? Uh huh. Um, and it was a very successful marathon, so obviously something about it worked. What do you think was was beneficial about doing it that way? What 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 did that do for for you as the GM and for your players? Absolutely. So the 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 you got right to the heart of it there, which is the value based question, right? right. Like well, our like, listeners, what, what good is this? Exactly. They're listening and they're going, "Okay, cool, Vince. That's a neat story. I'm that's neat that you did that." Who cares, right? Like, I why care. should I absolutely I care? care. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's important to to talk about because, like, to me, this is also an interesting subject because I, I think I think it is uh, something that that can be can be leveraged to the advantage of a group, and and people should try it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So please tell us tell us, Vince, what did it do for your group and you? Sure. Because I, I know those those are both separate benefits too. So. Absolutely. So it did two things. You're absolutely right. Two very distinct benefits for me as the storyteller and for the group as players. Mm -hmm. So let's do the storyteller side first, right? Yeah. Because these I, are obvious, obvious benefits here, right? Right. It helped me write the story mm -hmm. because I had personality touchstones and background touchstones and narrative touchstones and story hooks that I had already built right in there to mm -hmm. utilize. Right. You immediately, yeah, right. You can immediately start writing that stuff without having to wishy-washy. Oh, I don't know if this guy will have this or not. Right. You know, he's got it. So, you know, you can write it in. Exactly. And knowing because because I also touched on things like skills and classes, so mm -hmm. both mechanic and story. Right. I could touch on certain narrative elements because I knew the characters had a connection to this sort of these sorts of things because I wrote it in there and they had to, they had to then build on it. Mm -hmm. And I could do I could write in certain mechanical challenges because I knew that they had those skills, right? Mm -hmm. The it's not the situation where mechanically you can even you can even spread things out so evenly that it feels like the ultra fair game. Like you know who's yes. got what and how and how to how how to leverage all of that against like normal a normal game. Sometimes some people just don't get to shine, but this way you can actually tailor it. That's exactly right. I knew everybody was going to have a chance to shine. I could write toward that, and I would often know which characters specifically. We're going to end up being the ones interacting with that particular mm -hmm. challenge. Yeah. Right. And I so knowing I, I literally Huge could tailor to the character and to the player. Right. Yeah. Because I know their general personality archetype or how they're going to act or whatever to the point where it let me write in 
honestly some really fun things that happened in the game that I knew were like uh that I knew were p- possibilities, right? Uh, and, and knowing that that particular character was going to be the one who encountered this challenge and they would probably choose like this because that player tends to act like this and supplemented by the personality that that character chose is just going to play into their strengths. Long story short, one of the characters had sex with a queen, which is what I was aiming to hope to have happen. Right. Nice. And then that sparked a huge problem. Bear with the that. royalty. That's always going to be a thing. Yeah. And like, I was so thrilled about it because of all the just complications that was going to mm-hmm. cause. Right. Now, of course, as a GM, you know that not this is, you know, even though you have all these hooks and stuff, it isn't always going to work. But it is super nice to have that as a as a, a foundation to work from. Yes, exactly. It, it sometimes your foundation is built on sand when you're when you're trying to write a story about the characters you think you're going to have. Right. People will switch characters. People will change. They're playing a druid, but it turns out they're not at all like a druid you would think of as being a druid. They're a very unusual or an orthodox druid or something. You know what I mean? Like. People will left turn you. And if you're doing a long term story, you can sometimes adjust, right? You can over adventures, you can adjust, you can change whatever you can get the swing of it. But especially with something like a marathon, I needed I didn't have time for that. Right. I needed to know. Right. So as a GM, it was incredibly empowering to be able to to know these things, to use these things and to utilize these tools. That's all really good for the GM. Yes. Um, all, all great benefits. I, there's probably more. There's probably more good stuff that we haven't even touched on. But what, what about what about the majority of the gaming group, which is not the GM? Yep. And that's the players. What benefit does this have for the actual the, for the majority? Absolutely. Here's where we come to the best part of this, in my estimation, Trav. OK. All right. Okay. Really? Because, the best part. Okay. Yeah, this is better than the GM side by far. OK. Interesting. Here's why. Let me say, I actually want to get into it like this. Travis, have you ever played in a game where it just felt like lightning in a bottle because because of the other players at the table? We've talked about this before, right? Like mm-hmm. capturing the lightning in a bottle of just like having a bunch of characters that, that gel, that feel so good together, right? That yes, just it's definitely happened hits. on multiple occasions. Um, not as much as I would love to, love to have had, but yes, lots of times it's happened. Okay. You can help achieve that by giving over some of your power as a player to the GM to help dictate this stuff. The Musketeers game is a good example of a time where I took a very strong hand and in doing so uh, created a group that had very planned strengths, relationships, tensions right Mm -hmm. and 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 weaknesses and because of that these characters were so entwined into each other's lives by the time the game got rolling right not just because of their background but because of the nature of the personalities i had set up for the characters to play against each other yeah because of the nature of their backgrounds and knowing that the background that i had i had you know kind of written a sentence about and had them expand would put them at odds or alignment with other party members, right? Mm-hmm. That there would be natural hooks and natural antipathy. And that those would cross, that those streams would cross. It wasn't just always one character. Like some characters would have empathy around uh, profession, but yeah. antipathy around background. Yep. Right? So they both love the Musketeers and have served proudly and share that. 
but one came from a wealthy background, still earned their position in the Musketeers completely legitimately. One came from a very poor background. Empathy, antipathy, mm-hmm. right? So there's dynamism. It's not just like the traditional like, oh, I am a person who likes to steal things and I'm, and I'm an evil person mm-hmm. or whatever. And, uh, I am, I'm, and I'm sure you're not saying... Take- you're not you're not saying that this can't be achieved by by the players without uh, that such such hefty GM control, but it's easier with some GM control. Yes, I think you're. I think if you're not going to do a highly collaborative character generation, which is I think the other way you could get at this, mm-hmm. right? If you literally all sat down together and said, "Okay, let's all work together and make this happen," right? Like right. I think you could get that done. But that being said, I think that you can also get pretty far by fiat when the GM can just kind of plan this. I think the worst way to do it, to to have this happen, is the way we tend to generate characters, which is just, okay, everybody go off and think of an idea and come back. I think in my earliest earliest days of gaming, I think my my favorite thing was being able to find someone else at the table that I I had a connection with and be like, okay – Let's be let, let our characters should know each other, right? Because right. no one else did that. Like no one paid any attention to you know who whose characters knew whose characters and what what their backgrounds might have to to do with each other and things like that. Just the simple fact of like, hey, you want to be my friend, right? Yeah, it was it was such a big deal compared to the normal game group, which is just like everybody's off in their corner rolling up their characters, and then everybody comes to the main table and sits down and plays. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's such a different experience. It's a huge difference, huge, right? Because it, it, what ends up happening is you have this sort of natural synergy that just builds. And again, let me be, let me put a super fine point on something, which is to say that it's not that you can't get this by randomly generating. You certainly can't. It can happen. I'm sure many people out there have. What I'm saying is if you want to increase your odds of it happening, why let everything be random? Sure, you can you can have a thousand monkeys bang on a thousand typewriters and eventually, you know, you'll get a classic, right? Now, I don't I don't think that every every game should have that level of um, of GM interaction um, with the with the character creation. I think some level is useful in all situations. Um, I, I, I think special games, specialized games, sh- could and should have that kind of interaction. Um, like things like your Musketeer game. It seems like that was very specific for a reason, and it turned out well for a reason because it was very specific and executed well. Um, I don't think all games are like that. I do think, <clears throat> I do think there, there is as, – as much as I think we talked a few weeks ago about how you enjoy just sitting down and rolling characters up. Yeah, um, sure. Or, or rolling, rolling, rolling stats, rolling scores. Yeah, I think there also there also is something to be said about making all of the choices to create your character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very enjoyable uh, in some situations. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think cre- creating characters is awesome. It's one of my favorite parts of the ga- of all games, right? Of course. Um, so <clears throat> having the GM take part of that away can feel like a loss, um, but I think taking part of it away does help. Now, I, you should only take away as much as you need to, though. Okay, I think. That's that's really the temp the temperance to, to to go through there. Yeah, you only take as much as you need to. I have had very successful games that have had lightning in, in the bottle feels like where where you're like oh this is the greatest group ever and they're just like working together so well and 
the the inner party play is great and there's lots of conflict without wrecking the game night you know things like that yep um by th as uh, simple as saying i need these four archetypes of things i need a fighter a cleric you know a thief and a uh right. a wizard right yep um and i need i need some different these different races yeah, i need an elf and a dwarf and whatever um yep. And you guys take that and take what you want or draft for it, however you want to, want to do that, right? Um, and I need some people to be from here and some people to be from there. And that's as far as it has to go. But that, that alone can have some impact, right? Completely agreed, yes. You can actually be fairly light touch with this. Like, my example was a fairly strong example, like I said, because right. I was dictating both story I mean, and that, mechanics. That was pretty much all of it. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. I but feel you... like there are some people out there who would be like, yeah... I really like making my own characters. That's part of the reason why I play games is to be able to express sure. myself creatively through the character that I create. Sure. You know, it's, it's tough to tough to get past that. Um, I'm, I'm saying there can be more choice involved, right? Yes, I completely agree. I've also taken lighter touches to this in some of my games that I've GM'd. Like sometimes I've just had very broad archetypes. Like literally that's it. Like I'll say, I'll, I'll, I will define a very, very broad archetype. Like I need someone to be a young noble right and and yep. to, and like Simple give one that, right? sentence about them right like that's it like you know came from wealth uh is still of a young age and you know it has uh, a a large amount of like political power they're they're set so, to inherit or something like that boom done go from there do with that what you will right and I, i'll list out like seven archetypes and let everybody pick one or also or like you said which you the more mechanical dictate i've done that as well many times where i say like I need somebody to be a fighter or a paladin. I need one person to be a this. Or you, you get what I'm saying, right? That's yep. So I'm curious, though. Now, in, in those highly structured games, games that, that you set up that are high, high GM involvement in character creation, mm -hmm. um, less, a lot less player control, how do you deal with permanent death? Well, it's a, it's a great question. The answer is I don't. Uh, I don't okay. deal with well, that, permanent that's, death. That's exact, well, see, I, I have. Uh, I, 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 uh, okay. I, I once ran a campaign. It's, it's, it may be my, my most fondly remembered campaign amongst my players. Mm -hmm. And it was <laughs> strangely enough, all pre-generated characters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was very early in my, in my gaming career. Um, and I had someone die in the second game. Yeah. Right. They died forever. I like, and they died without, at least without in, in any immediate inroad to coming back soon. Sure. All right. Sure. Now, as a GM, I have the power to just say it happens. Uh, I chose not to go that route, and I gave the player the option to create their own character. And then that game went on to be the best game ever still, right? Sure. So <clears throat> I just let, I, like, everyone else had pre-gens, and this, this, one, this other person didn't, right? They, they, they lost their pre-gen and became someone else. Um, it worked well. well. Let me, hold on. Let me pick up a story thread from that, because I, I realize I'm lying sure. to you. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> as, as I was thinking more deeply on it, I realized I was lying. So for the most part, my marathons, I don't really kill characters. Or in games that I run, I don't really kill characters. Mm -hmm. I try very hard to make it Me so too, yeah. people don't die. Uh, or if they do die, it's for a very narrative reason, and there's a way to come back or whatever, whatever. I just don't really like killing characters. I don't find any fun in it. I don't see I'm, any I'm actual... I'm with you on it, buddy. Yeah. We've talked about character death before. Um, probably again. And probably will again. However, at the time I ran the Musketeers game, I hadn't really cottoned to that quite yet, to my current sort of position on death and or not at least as fully as I have now. 
And at the end, at the climax of the second game of Marathon 2, so the middle part of the trilogy, the Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two of the characters died in this sort of final confrontation. Wow, two. You're such a liar. I am such a liar. <laughs> and, You're double the liar I thought you were. And I and they died. They stayed dead because this is a this is a very mm-hmm. like it was magical realism, but it was a like it was still a low magic world, right? right? This is effectively Earth. There was no resurrection. Isn't a thing. People are when people die, they are dead. That's how it works. Unless it's a biblical proportions, yes. Correct. And uh, and I regret that to this day because those two players came back because it was a trilogy, and I knew it was going to be a trilogy at that point. And those two characters came back with different. Those, sorry, those two players. I apologize. Right, the players. came back with different characters mm. in part three, and they Such just a disconnect. Right, complete, complete and total disconnect with the rest of the group. Now, this is a problem. I think. It, that, that you're going to have with this kind of a generation set scenario. Like my, 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 in my example, the character died like right away, right? The, yeah. the players hadn't gotten into the meat of the story yet. There was not, uh, not as much invested in it. Um, if it had happened somewhere in the middle of the game, oh my, I, I think things would have turned out much differently. People would have not been happy. Um, and I think that's a big problem. Uh, I think that's a, a big issue. Like, and if you go into the game with, with the, the idea that there, there, like, there's no consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Death doesn't matter, like that, that kind of a thing. Um, and it's not a game that f- should feel that way. You got another problem, right? Sure, of course. So I think I think that that's a big hitch in this in this whole scenario. You have to be prepared to deal with that kind of a problem as a GM. And I think the answer is the way that I've that I now do it. Like the way I navigate these waters now is. If people die in general in most story worlds that I, I would I would tell, I'll, like I said, I'll try to avoid it. I'll just choke up on the swing, right? Uh, I'll give you a good example of that. So we played a Rifts game. Yeah. And I, I had some, some, I used some weaker archetypes, but still had people. I generally use some kind of archetypal direction, archetypical direction. And <laughs> I had a character get shot with a very powerful multi or mega damage uh um not a plasma weapon but the other type of like light heat particle weapon. beam particle beam thank you very much yeah. yes get shot no with a, i'm a nerd too yeah there you go get shot with a particle beam weapon at point blank range I outside of their person, armor right yeah, yeah a human a being flesh this is they're made of they are made of flesh so and they flesh. evaporated right by standard game rules, they would evaporate, right? Yeah. But I said, no, that's boring. And there actually is this section in the back of the Rifts book that I don't know if many people have looked at. Is that's like all about table? basically. That's all about like what happens when a normal human being gets hit with normal MPC. tissue gets hit yeah. with MD at mega damage weapons. And I, and I had found yeah, it. I read that. I remember. <laughs> that's and great. I was like, I can't wait to use this table. And yeah, yeah. so I went in and I was like, you got shot with a particle beam weapon. It's obviously going to shear right through you. Let's see what happens. Like the wound instantly cauterizes because it's a yeah, particle yeah. beam. And so I I went and rolled and the character got his leg blown off. Like that's what happened. And he's on the ground going like, ah, ah, right. But he, but he <laughs> yeah, was alive. Yeah, yeah. And and they the you know the PCs ended up winning. And then it became a chance to get the PC a new cool mm-hmm. cyber leg, right? That's because awesome. that's. That's the world we live in. Yeah, I'm with I, you on it. So I knew I had those kind of options. And the character was kind of techie anyways. So right. 
you know, giving it wasn't it wasn't like I had shot off some magic users. I actually uh, feel like Rift may be maybe a very good example of a game that that benefits more from this kind of a GM hand in character generation. Oh God, yes. Like yeah. you you need you need a uh, unless unless you're willing to just go crazy, you need to have some kind of structure in place for your players to decide like what to play with that kind of a game, right? A hundred. Um, like we're playing a coalition game, so pick coalition stuff, right? As yeah. opposed to just pick anything because anything really means anything. So. Yeah, you don't want the situation where one guy is a wilderness scout and another guy is like, showing up as a killer boy and I've another guy it. showing up as a Cosmo Knight. <clears throat> and you didn't want that, right. right? And you had a very particular, like, grounded story you wanted to tell. It's like, okay, well, I should have taken a stronger hand here, right? Like, yes, you can navigate those waters, but that might not be the story, the waters you're wanting to navigate. Like, I wasn't wanting to sail around the Cape of Good Hope to run this game. Thank you very much, you know. Uh, so, well, yeah. That's the I, ship we're on, so let's go. Um, right. So okay. T- so 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 so. What do you what do you what do you think about this? This gener- g- uh, d- GMs generating characters for the players. What do you think? Some some final thoughts. Because I think it's a good thing as long as you don't do it all the time, and as long as long as long as you're you're careful with with your uh, the way you roll this out to your players. Don't take all the control away from them all the time. Yep. Completely agree. I think the answer is. Play around with this, see how it works with your group, and experiment with different levels of of dictation about what is done. Whether it's broad archetypes, story beats, background elements, uh, economic wealth levels of the party, maybe classes or races, as we mentioned, or any mix of therein, right? And and do it purposefully. That's the other thing I would say. Like if right. you're this is go- not. Willy nilly, this is a tool to be used. This is a tool in your GM toolkit. Yeah, don't just get out your hammer and start hammering around everywhere, right? Like, you, the way I think about this is I actually build the story I want to tell first, and then I say, who are the archetypes? What do I need to do to help the PCs make characters that are going to best navigate this story? That doesn't mean I write the whole campaign word for word in every piece of box text and every NPC, it means I skeleton out, this is the story I want to tell. Elevator Maybe pitch. we'll write a topic about whether or not you should write out your entire campaign or not. I think um, that's a great topic. We'll talk about that sometime too. Um, so yeah, I, no, I, I agree uh, with all that. And I think as, as, long, as long as it's hand, handled, handled properly, um, GM character creation's a, a good idea sometimes, most of the time, part of the time, right? Yeah, I completely agreed. So is that undesigned, Vince? That's undesigned. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, hope everybody's staying safe out there. Uh, while you're, uh, when you're done listening to this, hey, why don't you go over to iTunes and click the uh, rating and review thing? Give us five stars. Leave a nice Share review. Share us out on your social media. That's Tell right. Tell people about us, man. It helps. People are looking for things to listen to. Share this out. It's deeply appreciated. There's also an email down there. Feel free to shoot us some questions or suggestions for future topics. We always love that. But as always, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.